0: The message this morning, I want to talk to you about dreaming again, and it's uh, the reason I like to preach on this series, and it's a brand new series. In fact, uh, I just trust the Lord every, every week to give me what I feel or what God has for all of us, but I love to dream. I, I, er, in early days of my life, I, I was a dreamer. I, I, I dreamed about one day becoming a pilot. You've heard this story many times. I never get tired of telling it, so I want to tell it again. I made toy airplanes, and I, I run cords out, strings out, so I could fly those airplanes. And uh, I just dreamed one day I'd sit in the cockpit, and I'd actually be sitting in the pilot's seat. And uh, I intended to bring my logbook that every every pilot has. You log in your trips everywhere you go, how many hours you were in the, in the plane, what kind of plane you were flying. And at any uncertain time that you can, you can uh, fly into a, a major airport, there's an officer that's with uh, uh, FAA that can come out and check to see if you have uh, three items on you. You've got, you need uh, you need your radio license. You need an up-to-date physical. You need an up-to-date pilot license. And uh, nobody knows when they're going to walk out. Fortunately, in my thousand hours of flying, uh, undoubtedly they felt sorry for me. They never did come out and uh, check my credentials. But uh, uh, we all have log. We all had log books And today. Uh, I'd just like to talk to you this morning about God knows where we're at, what we're dreaming. And can I tell you, God is a dream giver this morning. And your dreams aren't based on where you've been or what you've done. Your dreams are based on what you'd like to see accomplished. I'm going to talk to you in a few moments. In fact, I don't want to get ahead of my notes. I've got several notes, and so I want to kind of keep them in order. In fact, in order to keep them in order, I color-coded them so I wouldn't get mixed up this morning. Is that all right? Uh, for the introduction, I'd like to talk to you about something that happened and that, uh, the journey of life that caught some people off guard. Life is a journey. Today, we'll live today, and we'll never have an opportunity to live today again. Yesterday is already history. Today is present, and tomorrow is a day that may never come but as I was preparing for the lesson, uh, or the message this morning, I thought about this for an introduction. All the ground checks for United Flight 232 were complete and cleared. 298 passengers were nestled in their seats, hearing the familiar speech from the from the uh, pilot, checking seat belts and showing where the exits were. The stewardess was br- br- holding the the uh, uh, card so that you could see what she was talking about. And Captain Al Haynes, a 35-year veteran pilot for United Airlines, brought the DC-10 into position for another routine flight. Layover in Chicago, final destination in Philadelphia. Minutes later, the plane comfortably leveled off at 37,000 feet. The flight attendants were already serving the passengers, and most of whom were reading, working, napping from all appearances. Everything looked normal, predictable, and stable. But exactly one hour and seven minutes after the flight took off, to quote many of the survivors, all hell broke loose on that flight. The number two engine mounted high on the tail suddenly made a resounding boom. The flight panel immediately showed that the engine had failed and its hydraulic system ceased to function. That normally would be a concern to the pilot, but, but no alarm because he knew every DC-10 was equipped with three independent hydraulic system so that a failure would not disarm the plane truth be told over the entire plane there existed only one small vulnerable spot of the three independent hydraulic systems a four foot square space located toward the tail section where all three hydraulic systems converge the odds of anything going wrong in that small target area was calculated at one to ten to the 23rd power are a billion to one it simply had never happened but on the june on june 19 1989 the odds were against those aboard on flight 232 at 309 pm the pilot and the crew experienced total hydraulic failure ailerons rudders flaps elevators no longer function controlling the airplane became a living nightmare What's more, the brakes were not working, nor the on-ground steering, so if they managed to land, they didn't know how to bring the plane to any kind of a controlled stop. Over the course of the next several minutes, the captain and crew assessed that they could turn the plane slightly to the right or the left and direct the plane by varying the thrust of the remaining engines on that plane. They turned toward a small airport in Sioux City, Iowa, and managed to delicately maneuver the crippled craft toward the ground. The right wing touched the ground first, then sent the plane cartwheeling over the ground and burst into flames. How many remember seeing that on on the news media? But when it was all over, 187 people were saved and 111 people died. When the national transportation safety board presented the findings of their investigation of the cause of the disaster they pointed to the fan disc in engine number two which exploded sending shrapnel ripping through the tail section of the plane severing the hydraulic lines in that isolated four foot area but the investigation didn't stop there because the fan disc for the jet engine is so specialized There were extensive paper trails that led investigators back to the ingot of the titanium from which it was made and the forging process. It was determined that the process performed years before led to the fatal crash of Flight 232. You see, when parts for jet aircraft are forged, molten titanium is subjected to hammering force and intense pressure that is almost unimaginable. No less than 50,000 tons of pressure are exerted on the liquid metal, and the purpose is to eradicate any trace of gas bubbles that might be trapped inside the titanium. In the report that was issued, it was found that the process used at the time left a tiny amount of nitrogen in a particular spot of titanium from which the fan disc was made. Microscopic pockets were formed inside the titanium that would eventually lead to metal fatigue and the disintegration of the fan disc. It took 15,503 takeoff and landing cycles before that happened. But the minute almost invisible flaws present in the formation of that fan disc and it eventually became a deadly defect on this plane. What's the moral of the story today? Flaws in the formation of stages. Even small ones can lead to disaster later. How many times has this played in the way of our families? We've all learned a new word in the last three decades. When it comes to families, the word is dysfunctional. Flawed parents act out in their misguided conclusions and inability to deal with emotions while raising children, and we've all been there. Nobody is exempt. But it doesn't end there. One of the most common dynamics of dysfunctional families is the children grow up and repeat the same patterns they saw in mom and dad. And this information this morning as we begin the message, a vision and what it takes to dream again is alive and well in my heart because every day I wake up dreaming again. What is a dream? A vision or a God-given dream is a revelation of God's will and plan our lives in a vision God allows us to see what he sees he reveals to us what he wishes us to know and to do we don't have the answer to life's riddles within ourselves and there are many things which we cannot know except through divine revelation we can't save the perishing in our own thinking or understanding we must get a vision from God or we could end up at the wrong place at the wrong time doing the wrong things and perishing ourselves. Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 12 says, There's a way that seems right unto man, but the ways thereof are death. First Corinthians chapter two, verse fourteen says, But the natural man does not receive the things of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. A vision is a picture of what God wants to bring to pass, and what we must do to implement his plan in our lives. Vision is spiritual discernment. The most likely to God's work are those who are most sensitive to his heart. Those who have vision are those who can discern his plans for the future and work toward them. I stand to announce today that God is ready for something great in all of our lives. He wants to ignite a dream in your life, no matter what your age may be. And you may be here this morning and say, Pastor, I'm already through the age of dreaming But let me correct the thought that you may have concerning age today and how God develops visions and and dreams in our lives. In the prophet's reading in Joel chapter 2, he said, In the last days your old men shall dream dreams. So anybody that's over 21, you're getting ready to fit into a category that I'm getting ready to fit into called the elderly. And you need to begin now, not later, to begin to allow God to speak to your heart and begin to dream dreams. You can have dreams about your family. Maybe you have a dysfunctional family. Maybe there's a person in your family today that needs to get on course. Maybe you've gone through areas in your life and you you just feel like every morning there's a stamp across your life called failure. It's time for you to dream again. It's time for you to allow God to put something in your heart that will stir the chords in your life that you'll get in harmony with the power of the Holy Spirit so he will enable you to mount up with wings as eagles to run and not be weary and let the dream soar and take you to places that you'll never go without a dream. I stand to announce today that God is ready for some great and mighty dreams to be accomplished in all of our lives and all he is looking for today is the availability for him to speak to you. And if you don't believe me, let me just just endorse what the word of God has to say about what I'm telling you this morning in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3. Jesus says or the word says call unto me. God is speaking this to all of our heart. Call on me. I want to get involved with you. I want want to help you with some dreams, with some visions, with some goals in your life, maybe that you've never yet achieved. And here's what he says. If you'll call on me, I'll answer you. How many are glad today that you have caller ID on your phone? Well, six people are being honest. Everybody bow, we're going to have an altar service. We all look at that caller ID before we pick that up. Why do we do that? It's called screening your calls. Jesus never screens anybody's calls. He's on call 24-7. And he says, call upon me and I will answer you and I will show you great and mighty things you know nothing about. I believe he's talking to us about dreaming again. And let's think of some great thoughts this morning. Let's just shut out the, the schedule for the day of what we are facing tomorrow, the things that may have happened this past week. But let's just begin to meditate on some great things. And by faith, let's see some great visions that, that are available to us this morning if we will just position ourselves in a place where God can get our attention. Let's just decide today we're going to walk out of this building with a greater faith that we walked in because we know with God nothing shall be impossible. A dream given by God is inevitable and irresistible, and God never gives a dream for which He never assumes responsibility that He will not bring it to pass. Right. Yeah. He always starts with a dream. And be assured that He will finish it if God will have his way, has His way in your life. He'll help you. He's a present help in time of need. He knows what you have need of before you ask. He just wants to get involved with you and me. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 is being confident of this very thing. He who has began a work in me. I want everybody to say this, these words with me. He who has begun a work in me. He who has begun a work in me. I want you to say it now without my help. Oh, come on. I've heard you talk louder than that at the ball game. I want you to say it louder. He who has began a work in me. Say it again. He has began a work in me. You, you, guys, you guys did great. He, what, what's he doing in our life? He's, he, there's a work in process going on inside of us. Many of us are ready to accept what he's telling to us. And some of us are saying maybe a more convenient time, but right now I'm pretty well occupied Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, being confident, being being assured, knowing, knowing without doubt, knowing that the very thing which God has began called the good work in your life, He will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Listen, today is a day that can be a brand new start in our lives. I I think about the the dreams that... uh, that God gives us every day. Uh, you've heard the story many times. The facility we're in is a train. Uh, in August of 90, this facility melted to the ground with about 11 inches of, 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 of nothing but just dust. That's all there was left, 11 inches of dust. There wasn't a wall standing. Nothing ha- was standing as far as a wall or beam is concerned. But God stepped in he helped rebuild this facility in a greater measure than what we had lost and listen this morning that there's a there's a story in everything that your life is confronted with maybe the dreams that you've in your life have been shattered but I can tell you God can help you dream a bigger dream than what the enemy has stolen from you in the book of John, chapter 10, verse 10, the Bible says, The thief, which is the devil, comes but for to steal, and to, to kill, to destroy. But Jesus says, I've come that you can have life, and if you can have it, more abundantly. And the abundant thing that God wants to do in all of our lives is make our dreams come true. He wants you to become a dreamer. He wants you, he wants you, to, he wants you to just to picture yourself in the midst of that dream, and it's all coming to pass. And you're so excited, you can hardly wait to tell somebody. There's a lady who resides in the Mennonite Assisted Living Center over in Fairview. She was my senior, one of my senior sponsors. We went to Romano's on my skip day in and, and, uh, April of 1959, and for some reason I just wanted to sit by Mrs. Burns all the way down. I'd already given Sherry an engagement ring and... We already had the calendar marked, and uh, we already knew June the 19th, uh, I was going to have the awesome privilege of changing her last name. That was so exciting. I sat down by Mrs. Burns. The bus started rolling toward Romano's, and all the way to Romano's, all I could tell her about is how great this awesome lady by the name of Sherry Unwin was how pretty she was and how i mean just every time she would look at me my heart would just skip a beat all the way i'm sure mrs burns was glad when we got to romano's because when that bus parked the door came open we were the first two to walk out we were on the front seat we spent the day at romano's we had an awesome day on the way home we were the last two to get on board and i thought of some things that i hadn't told mrs burns about sherry All the way back to Fairview, I told told Mrs. Burns, you've never seen anybody. Have you seen this awesome person? And I'm telling you, I just want to tell you today, that dream came true. And 58 years later, I can tell you, it wasn't a nightmare. It was a dream. There's a difference between a nightmare and a dream. Listen, nightmares can come on all of us. But dreams are things that God instills in our heart. And with His power and His strength, He will allow us to see goals, dreams, and visions come to pass. I just want to relate, before I even read the scripture this morning, I still have about 25 minutes. I think about all of the dreams that I've seen take place in just the past few years. When the church was in need of a youth center, God just opened the door and what we call the rock now came to our church as a gift. It was a dream. It was a reality. It was just ready to move into and change the title and put our, the name of Elm Grove on the deed of that property. It came true. People from the community pitched in and and. and 99% of every dollar that was spent came from the outside walls of this church as people were so excited because there was somebody in town that was going to have a, a passion and a dream to see young people's lives changed. Right. I saw a dream come true uh, a few years ago when 188 acres surrounds this church came up for sale and the board voted let's get it and I and, and the And so we made provision to buy it. And without ever passing the offering plate, God stepped in and paid for that, that 188 acres. We never had to lean on anybody for anything. You see, God is always bigger than our dreams. I don't believe in asking people how much you can pledge or how much you can give for a project. My God is bigger than anything you can dream about. And he owns cattle on a thousand hills. He don't need what's in your pocketbook. He needs what's in your heart. Give him praise and glory today. He's had a hard time getting my heart, but I'm alive and well this morning because I know that God helps dreams come true. The family life center that will one day stand across the fence is still in the process. I looked at the, at the, at the uh, blueprints, that w- and uh, on the top of the br- blueprints, the engineer had put, in 2013, he handed a complete set of blueprints ready to go and just because that hasn't came to pass yet has not quenched my dream at all Hallelujah. the 188 acres came as a as a gift the rock came as a gift this building let me say this we never asked for one dollar when we built this facility That's right. and the funds came in And you know what? Except the Lord build the house, our labor is in vain. So many times when a pastor talks about dreams, immediately we begin the process of fact, well, we can't afford that. We can't afford not to do what God wants us to do. And listen, if he owns cattle on a thousand hills, he will never have to sell one head of his herd to pay for my dream. Isn't that great? I get enthused about thinking about how big my father is and how much he wants to do and how much he wants to accomplish if he can just get it through. Our way of thinking. And many times we say, well, what if? Well, let me just say this. Well, what if? Well, while many people want to put their negative tag on the what if. I see the positive. What if I believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek? What if I believe that this building one day will be packed to capacity? And day by day, God just gives me confirmation that my dreams are real. My dreams are alive. And one day I'll see things come to pass that I'm still dreaming about. We gathered Wednesday for a funeral of a dear friend of, of Sherry and I. I've dreamed a day that this building would be filled with capacity. I've dreamed of the day that there would be golf carts running the road in front of the church, bringing people from down the road because they couldn't get into the parking lot. Nobody, I, I don't know that I've even shared this part. I just, I've just dreamed there'll be a day when they'll run. Co- carts up and down the road to keep people from having to walk to get to the sanctuary i was walking through the entryway of the building and i looked out and i saw the golf cart as it began to roll down the road stop at the front of the building and unload go back and the holy spirit says is that what you've been dreaming about (laughs) you see if we will pay attention God will confirm His Word with signs falling. And oh, it's all right. As we look at the message this morning, everybody, even your family, thinks we're crazy sometimes. And they're not bashful about telling us about it. But this morning, we're following a 17-year-old boy named Joseph. We're going to pick up where we left off last Sunday. We've reflected on the dysfunctional family that Joseph represented. And I want to just reflect, just to bring you back up to speed. There's some that weren't here last Sunday. But I want to, I want to just kind of draw a picture from the, from the family that Joseph comes from. Joseph had three stepmothers, ten stepbrothers, a stepsister, all living in the home at the same time. Process that. <laughs> I can see why I look at your husband. <laughs> that would have been tough. His father, Jacob, generally thought a godly man embraced polygamy that was very common in that day, which opened the door to jealousy, insecurity, almost constant conflict among the WIVES. Jacob was also a passive parent whose whose lack of involvement and leadership brought incredible pain and confusion to his own family. Joseph's brother took turns being brutal and conniving and very openly Immoral. I don't know about you, but it sounds like something that might have came on the Jerry Springer. Is he still on television? Something it'd be on his show. Well, this show didn't happen on Jerry Springer, but it's revealed to us in Genesis chapter thirty-seven, and I'd like to read that scripture again to you this morning. I read it last Sunday. I'd like to refresh your memory as we go to, with the sermon this morning. Now, Jacob now Joseph dwelt in the land where his father was a stranger in the land of Canaan. This is the genealogy of Jacob. Joseph being 17 years old was feeding the flock of, with his brothers and the lad with his son the sons of Bilhi the sons of Zilphi, his brothers his father's wives and Joseph brought a report to them to his father. What this is basically saying Joseph being the lad of the baby of the family was a tattletale he was going to the field he was getting was watching his stepbrothers and he was coming home and saying dad you can't believe what's going on now Israel meaning Jacob loved Joseph more than all his children because he was a son of his old age and he made him a tunic of many colors but when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than the other brothers they hated him and could not speak peaceably to him Now Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told his brothers, and they hated him even more. Listen, if if what you see in response to your dream is not acceptable and you quit dreaming, uh, Joseph has one on you. Joseph is 17. His brothers were very, very upset with him because of what he was telling them. So uh, the Bible says uh, in verse 6, So he said to them, Please hear this dream that I've dreamed. They, he said they were binding sheaves in the field, and, uh, which is just simply binding wheat in the field. And he said, This is what he said uh, uh, There arose and stood upright one sheaf. And indeed, your sheaves stood around all and bowed to my sheaf. And the brother said to him, Shall you indeed reign over us? Or shall you indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him even more for his, the dreams and for his words. Verse 9, then he dreamed again. It wouldn't have been too bad if he had just dreamed. But he had to talk. He dreamed still another dream and told it to his brothers. And, and he said, look, I have dreamed another dream. And this time the sun, the moon, and 11 stars bowed down to me. So he told it to his father and his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you've been dreaming? Shall your mother and I and your brothers indeed bow, come and bow down to you, uh, to the earth before you? And his brothers envied him, but his father kept the matter in mind. I'm going to stop here in the reading this morning. The interpretation of this dream. Listen, he just couldn't keep it. There was something inside of him that had to come out. And, and he said, you know, well, I was just in the field. And, you know, he was talking sheep language. Uh, his brothers and him were sheep herders. He said, we were just gathering bundles of wheat. And suddenly uh, my bundles stood up straight and your bundles fell down and, and worshipped me. Well, you know, to the natural person, that would probably not be too acceptable of a dream. And then he can't let well enough alone. Of course, he's seventeen. You know, I remember when I was seventeen. You, couldn't t- you can't tell seventeen-year-olds very much. Uh, but he he comes back again. He has another dream. He tells his brother Joe. He said, "I had another dream. The sun, the moon, eleven stars bowed down to me, and his father reprimanded him." And he and he said. Are you telling me that all your family is going to bow down? You know, if one dream makes your brothers angry, don't go back for seconds. Joseph's father sends him down to check on his brothers, and his baby brother arrives. He's in in that beautiful tunic or that beautiful coat that his father's made just for him. None of the other boys had it. He's the only one who had this coat of many colors. And the brothers are ready to kill baby brother. <clears throat> the brothers are saying, uh, let's kill him and throw his body in his cistern. It doesn't have any water in it. Let's just kill him. And, uh, and, and we'll, we'll, we'll kill a goat, and we'll put blood on his coat, and we'll take it back to uh, our dad, and we'll say, uh, is this your son's uh, tunic? But Reuben, one of the older boys, said, no, let's don't kill him. Uh, that's murder. Uh, let's just throw him in the cistern, but let's don't hurt him. That sounds like hurt to me. But when Joseph arrives, his brothers ripped a coat off of his back. And they meditated on their plans. And as they were meditating, a group of Midianites passed by. And his brothers pulled Joseph out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver. Who else was sold for a few pieces of silver? Yeah. They took Joseph with them, and they continued the journey. Joseph brothers took Joseph's coat, butchered a goat, dipped the coat in blood. They took it back, to, back home to show Dad. And they said, Dad, look this over. Do you think this might be Joseph's coat? And when Jacob saw the coat, he, he wept bitterly and tore his clothes off in grief. And began to mourn at the loss of his baby son. When the Midianites arrived at Egypt, they had a slave for sale as well as other, other things that they had brought to Egypt to sell. And they sold Joseph on the auction block to a man by the name of Potiphar, one of Pharaoh's officials. And he took, he took Joseph home with him and made him manager of his entire household. As it turned out, God was with Joseph no matter where he went. And probably there were days that that Joseph could have said, you know, maybe it doesn't pay to dream. Or maybe if you do dream, it probably would be wise not to tell your dream. But life was moving on. He was 17 years old. He had a lot of energy. And as, it, as God would prevail, he winds up in a house where a man falls in love with him. And he wants to take care of him. And so he sets him as a head over his household. Because even Potiphar saw the love of God and the favor of God on his life. Right. Can I pause here this morning and tell you, if you're following the Lord and you're serving the Lord with joy and gladness, The favor of God is all over you, whether you realize it or not. Don't shout me down now. I'm going to tell you. uh, There are people in this building in the past two years, you've given your heart to Jesus. And you work for a firm. And some of you, I've told this, but I see the favor of God all over you. I see when other people aren't working, you're busy. And there's business just coming in. And it just seems like you're covered up while other people are struggling. That's the favor of God. That's a beautiful part of serving the Lord with joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. You see, when you totally release your life to Jesus, live, die, sink, or swim, you're going to have the favor of God following you all the days of your life. The psalmist David was not a perfect man, but he said, Surely goodness and mercy shall chase me down all the days of my life, and I'm going to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So many times, so many times. So many times I wanted the favor of God all my life, but I wasn't willing to turn loose of some things that nobody else could see. Maybe there was anger. Maybe there was jealousy. Maybe there was unforgiveness. Maybe there was hard feelings that I just couldn't bury. And so I wanted to serve the Lord this way, but I wanted to hang on to the the luggage that kept me from being the dreamer that God wanted me to be. But you see, the apostle so Paul says, let us lay aside the weight and the sin that easily besets us and let us run the race that's set before us, looking under the dream maker. He's the author. He's the finisher of our faith. Listen to me. It pays dividends to sell out and follow God with all of your heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. Amen. He'll give you, he'll give you rivers in the desert. He'll give you springs in the wilderness. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. And this is the confidence that we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we have the petitions we desire. Well, Joseph's life has gotten better since he got away from his brothers. He's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar is next in line to Pharaoh. He's Pharaoh's right hand man. Who's waiting on the right hand man but Joseph? Joseph the, the, the blessings of God spread over everything that Joseph went to do because he had dreamed of one day reaching his destination. He had a destiny, and he knew one day what God had given him to dream about would come to pass. Joseph had some things that uh, the Bible uh, highlights. He was a very handsome man. And as he went his way to the master's house, to take care of the master's business the master's wife became infatuated with joseph and one day she propositioned him but joseph refused joseph said look potiphar has put me in charge of everything in his house He's trusted me with everything I know about his business. I see that his bills are paid. I I see the balance in his checkbook. I, I know everything that he's doing. I know that everything's going the way that he wants it to go. All he has to do is be concerned about three meals because I've got a servant's heart and I'm taking care of my master. He says he's given me charge of everything that he has in his possession except you. And here's these words, how could I violate the trust of my master? How could I violate his trust and sin against God? But she continued to pester him day after day. And Joseph continued to refuse day after day. One day Joseph came in. To take care of some business for Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife grabbed him. And said this is our day. All the rest of the servants are gone. And she grabbed him by the cloak. And she said you're not going to get out of this deal today. We're going to have a time when nobody knows. And Joseph refused her proposition. And as he exited her presence. She grabbed his coat as he ran out of the house. And she realized after he was gone. She still had the coat. Which would be evident that her story would hold true to her husband. So she called the other house servants and she said, Look, that Hebrew slave that my my husband bought off of the slave block a few days ago, he's been trying to seduce me. He tried to make love to me, but I yelled and screamed. He left the house as I was screaming for help, but I have this coat to prove my story. Anybody ever told anything on you that wasn't so? Anybody besides me wanted to kill him? Oh, come on. Don't act so religious. When Joseph's master heard his wife's story, Potiphar was furious. Joseph's master took him and threw him in jail where the king's prisoners lived, and he locked the door. But there in jail... God was still with Joseph. He reached out in kindness to him. He he put him on good terms with the head jailer. The head jailer put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners, and he ended up m- managing the whole operation in prison. You know what? There's a moral of the story. If you ever get thrown in jail, just be the best prisoner. And when everybody else goes to bed, just start praising the Lord real loud. So that nobody else can sleep. And they'll see if somebody will make mine for you. Joseph was a role model. He's 17 years old. And look at the stand he's taking. The head jailer gave Joseph free reign. Never ever checked on him. Because God was with him. Whatever Joseph did, God made sure it worked out for the best. And in Romans 8, 28, he says he'll do the same for you that he did for joseph and we know that all things work out together work together for good to those that love god to all who are called according to his purpose today if you're here in the service and life has dealt you an unfair hand and you question the fact that god may even care about you does he really understand what i'm going through and Does it really pay to be obedient to God's Word? And maybe you're dealing with a situation that seems totally unfair in your life. Well, God knows everything that has happened. And He keeps a set of books, too. Maybe you've confided in somebody you trusted, and they've let you down. They broke your trust, and you're fighting anger, maybe unforgiveness. Maybe thoughts of one day that the tide will turn and you'll get even. Well, let me tell you with what you do with that bundle of nothing that will keep you from dreaming. First Peter 5, 7 says, throw it as far as you can. Cast it all on me, Jesus says, because I care for you. Hallelujah. Many people are blinded because they can't forgive. Many people are blinded because they can't forget. Many people are blinded because they just want to keep talking about it. And there's more than one way to kill. Proverbs says, The power of life and death is in the tongue, and they that love it will eat the the fruit thereof. And I've watched people try to kill somebody's confidence. I've, I've watched people try to kill other people's witness for God. Not that maybe not that the story wasn't true, but listen, the Bible says pray for those that are struggling and hold them up in prayer and encourage them because Romans three twenty three says we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Don't say, "Boy, I wish Leroy had been here." I'm here. I'm Leroy. Listen, I'm preaching to myself. If you can get anything out of it, that's the icing on the cake. Listen to me today. The enemy wants you to hang on to the garbage that will keep you from dreaming again. He wants you to hang on to unforgiveness. Let me tell you, if you hang on to unforgiveness, somebody else will send you to hell. Because the Bible says if you don't forgive, neither will your Heavenly Father forgive you of your sins. I'm not going to hell because of somebody else. As far as the East is from the West, I've been forgiven. As far as the east is from the west, he took my dirty, rotten linens, and he buried them into the Sea of forgetfulness. And the friend that I have called Jesus never goes deep-sea fishing to, to see if he can bring them from the bottom of the ocean. He's my best friend. I'm telling you, if you only knew what he knew. Aren't you glad you don't? Maybe you're tormented over somebody breaking your trust that you've had in them. Maybe you've prayed for them, but you just can't get it off of your mind. God's Word has an answer for you today. And it's worked for me. If it'll work for me, it'll work for anybody. And it's found in Psalms 119, 164, and 165. And I can tell you, you can't think about discouragement and defeat. You can't get oppressed if you'll just get this Word in your mind and get it so induced in your mind that it becomes a part of your heart. And when it becomes a part of your heart, it's going to bear witness to your life. Psalms 119, 164, and 165 says, Seven times a day, O Lord, will I praise you for your righteous judgment. Great peace had those who love your law, and nothing causes me to stumble. Listen to me, I'll tell you, it'll cause you to mount up with wings as eagles. It'll cause you to run and not be weary. It'll cause you to walk and not faint. It'll cause you to do things you'd never do before. And three people just woke up. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah! There's been days that I've wrestled with situations like you wrestle with. And here's what I'd do. I'd say, okay, Satan, I'm going to talk to you this morning. This is number one. Seven times a day, O Lord, will I praise you for your righteous judgment. Great peace. I have great peace. Satan, you're not going to steal my peace. Great peace have those who love your law because nothing causes them to stumble. And I'm not. you're not my stumbling block this morning. You're my stepping stone. And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Satan, pull up a little closer. I'm going to play that to you again in case you didn't get it. Seven times a day will I praise you for your righteous judgment. Oh, Father, great peace have those who love your law. And nothing causes them to stumble. Satan, I know you didn't get it, so I'm gonna, uh, this is number three, and I just keep pray, I just keep speaking, I just keep speaking, I just keep letting it re- roll until my heart begins to be filled with joy that's unspeakable and full of glory. My dreams begin to realize, begin to develop in my life, and I realize that I'm more than a conqueror. I'm not swamped to the bottom this morning. The, the president is draining, is draining the swamps in Washington, D.C., but Jesus drained the swamp of my life years ago, and then he sent me to you to help you drain your swamp. And dream again, and dream again, and dream again, and dream again, and just keep on dreaming. Amen. Yes. God knows how to give peace in the midst of the storm life, of life. God has the ability to speak to the winds and the waves that come to destroy you. Remember, remember, the dream giver is still alive and well today. And no matter where you 're at in the journey of life, he will not leave you in the prison of adversity forever. He says, "I will never leave you, nor forsake you." His invitation is to all of us today. You ever heard of something happening? Maybe your best friend was hosting something, and you heard the other people of did you get your invitation? Everybody got their invitation, but yeah. And you found out as the event happened, you didn't get an invitation. What happened inside of you when you felt left out? Well, I know what happened to you. Same thing happened to me. I'll tell you one thing, Don, next time I have something, they're not gonna get an invitation from me. <laughs> I'll, sh- I'll show them who's the boss. Come on, we're all human. We all, yeah, listen, don't, put, don't ever put your pastor on a pedestal. He's just like you are, only different. <laughs> Here's the universal invitation this morning. And it's found in Matthew chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. And here's what he says, and with these words I close. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's you. That's me. When are when we heavy laden? When somebody's broken our trust? When somebody's stolen our dream? When somebody told something, we had total confidence. That they would, they, they, they stood head and shoulders had been places and done things, I, and, and I, I just knew I could trust them. And then you found out that was the wrong decision, and you're heavy laden. Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me. Jesus is saying these words, and I will give you rest. Right. If you'll dare this morning to lay aside the weight and the sin that so easily besets all of us. And look to the dream giver. He wants to talk to you this morning. Your past is history. He's not, he's not concerned about your past. He, he's not, I mean, the past doesn't even concern him. He's concerned about where you're at today. Would you be an open vessel if he gave you a dream, would you be ready to allow your life to be excited and allow the Holy Spirit to do some transformation in your life so that you could lay aside things in your life that don't help you in the journey of life and you can allow him to enhance you with the power of the Holy Spirit so that you could dream again? A gentleman was apologizing to me last week in fact it was my brother came to play the piano there was none of the songs on easy worship and so he just kind of sang a solo because I'm like you I didn't know the song piano music was beautiful yeah. Yeah. we got to the crooked era for lunch he said uh, he got out of his vehicle and he said brother uh, sorry I let you down Boy, just, I mean, just the Holy Spirit just walks up. Just, and here's, here's what comes out of my lips. What are you trying to let the devil throw you on the bus for? I said, I enjoyed the offertory. And it was just an awesome morning. And you know what he said? You're right. What can I say to you this morning? Because you're my brothers and sisters. While I'm talking to you, why are you, what are you if you're trying to let the enemy throw you on the bus, why are you? You don't belong to him. Tell him to shut up and get out of your life. That's right. The Bible says shun him. Give him a cold shoulder. Let him know you're not a part of his crowd. And let him know, I'm going to dream again. Yes. Would you bow for prayer? Lord, today, we're so thankful for your blessings. We're so thankful, Lord, for your provision. We're so thankful today because you allow us the privilege of dreaming again. And there are days when it just seems like all hope is gone. There's just days, Lord, that it just seems like uh, there's not enough fabric left in our life to dream again. But we find in your presence there's fullness of joy, and at your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so we choose to dwell in your presence this morning where there's not only peace and joy, but there's an excitement in our life that only the Holy Spirit can fuel. Lord, to each one of us that are gathered here today, it's time to dream again. It's time to forget the opposition of our dreams and stay focused on the one who gave us a dream that we can dream again. That son, that daughter that's not living for Jesus, Lord, in a vision, I can see them being a a total fanatic as a follower of you. Lord, to that one who's struggling with health issues this morning and and they're in the doubt of knowing how things are going to work out for their life, let them dream again and see them, Lord, as being able to live a life, Lord, fulfilled to the end. And to those, Lord, that are facing difficult issues financially, spiritually, or physically this morning, Take the shackles off. Holy Spirit, take the blindfolds off of all of our eyes this morning that we can dream again. We give all the glory and the praise to you in Jesus' name. Amen.